Welcome to a special isolation edition of the Let's Meet for a Beer podcast. I am joined by my friend, J.D. Lewis. How are you doing? I am alone, but I don't say that for sympathy. The, the prime minister said we're supposed to be alone, so that's why I'm alone. Absolutely. So the conversations that we're having, just to let everybody know, are going to be unedited and we're recording them over the internet. So the sound quality might be a little spotty from time to time, but what can people expect? You can expect, I guess, a few things, you know, hopefully some inspiration. If your spirits need picking up, hopefully we can be that source of inspiration for you and show you this doesn't necessarily have to be a totally ugly, scary thing. Some companionship. Jesus, if, if you need a friend right now, let us be your friends for the next half hour and for the episodes that follow. And finally, hopefully this can be a reminder to you that, you know, something like COVID-19, while it's super scary and, and we still don't totally know everything about it, that doesn't mean it's all bad things coming out of it. Sir Isaac Newton developed his theory on gravity while in isolation and quarantine from the bubonic plague. I'm not suggesting we're going to change the laws and rules of science here on this podcast, but I do think some good can come out of a bad situation. And I think we're going to learn that together. Just want to say thanks to everybody for letting us be a part of your day. And I hope you enjoy the conversations. All right. Welcome back to another Let's Meet for a Beer podcast. Yet another isolation edition. I am here with my friend Nicole Gomes with Clucking Cleaver, which is my favorite uh, fried chicken place in Calgary. How are you doing? I'm awesome. Well, I mean, I'm good. I mean, I can't say I'm like awesome all the time. It's a lot of work to stay happy. I, I, if you were awesome all the time, I would just assume you're high on drugs. So it's okay to not be awesome all the time. Yes, it's true. Um, I, I introduced you as the owner of Cluck and Cleaver. So obviously you and your sister Francine um, are both awesome human beings, but you're, you're doing a lot of other things. I was looking at, uh, I was stalking you on the internet, I guess, if you will. So oh, you've won Top Chef Canada. You're a finalist for the Iron Chef Gauntlet. Um, you appeared on Firemasters. Were you a judge on Firemasters? Yeah, I'm a competing judge on Firemasters, which is airing right now. It is started it? on the 16th. Um, I'm on three episodes this season, um, and I think I'm upcoming in a couple weeks again, but I was on last week. Um, and uh, I'm actually on that show, which is awesome that I got it out of the way, um, for the next two years. So I've filmed four seasons with them. Um, I'm on periodically, it's 10 episodes per season or something. And I'm on like two or three each season. Well, now how, how do you, how does that happen? Like how did your, your TV kind of career begin? Oh my God. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I auditioned for top chef Canada in 2013 or 12 or something like for season, I think it was three. I can't believe I can't remember that. Um, and then, um, you know, I fared fairly well. Like, I translated okay on TV. Funny, like, unbashful, like, completely crazy. Um, and then I didn't win. I came in fifth. But then I was like, okay, that's it for TV. Like, I didn't, like, go and go, I want to be the next, like, Lynn Crawford. Yeah, you weren't um, going and getting an agent to be like, okay, here's the sitcom concept well, I'm working on. I had on. a lot of other stuff going on, right? Like, I had a catering company that I was mm -hmm. running on my own and, like, all this other stuff I needed to deal with. So um, it wasn't like a priority for me. And that's kind of how I roll is like, what's my priority right now? Like, um, and I, you know, two years later, or no, it wasn't more than two years, five years later, they said, we're going to bring Top Chef back, but we're doing an all-stars. Do you want to do it? And I was like, uh, I don't know. And I was like, why not? And I'm like, but this time I got to win. Like I need the money. Yeah. Like I just started formulating Cluck and Cleaver. I'm like, this money would be really crucial and not just about the money, but it's like, it is really important that you take advantage of the press from it. Oh. Because that's, you can't pay for that kind of marketing. Yeah. So I, I realized I had to like, I did study more this time. I don't know how you really study for that, but I basically made it a rule of thumb that I'm going to learn from my mistakes and like whatever I did, on the last time, last run of TV was like, you know, fix that. And then as I went in the show, I actually had a notebook and I'm like, every time I screwed up something, I wrote it down. I'm like, okay, like, how did I not like, I got to correct that. So, yeah. Um, and luckily I won. I mean, 
I cleaned, I like cleaned up with the money, which was awesome. So how do you, so who are you up against? Like how, cause those things, I mean, typically you don't know what you're up against until they tell you kind of thing. Right. So how do you even plan or strategize or train to win something like that? You can't plan it. Um, but you can definitely strategize and like, you don't really, you don't know any of the other competitors. Basically all-star season was everyone that didn't win in previous four seasons. So you kind of, you, you knew the pool, but you didn't right. know what 10 chefs they're going to choose. And, um, they, and they put you on lockdown. Like when you arrive, you're all in different hotels. Like they blindfold you when you walk into the studio. Like, it's like, it's epic. Like try to make you crazy reality TV. And they want the shock factor. They want the natural reaction. They don't want it fake because you can't really translate that on TV or it translates on TV if you're fake. Right. Um, and you don't prepare for it. You strategize. And the thing I learned the most from the first time was like, don't try and reinvent the wheel. You already know enough about cooking to get through 10 episodes. So 20 challenges, 10 episodes, right? So I basically remembered everything that I'm like, crafted at that I love that I like I'm passionate about and um utilize that skill level to the ch individual challenges and made it relative so like if they did pasta I was like oh I do this pasta really well how do I make it relative to the challenge that it's a Canadian pasta or whatever it was but I mean that's that's essentially what that is it's like uh you have to, you, you do have to think like it's not but you don't have time to think like that timing is for real I was watching one, Mike, because my kids love those shows. And uh, there was, we were watching one, and this guy made, like, four different things for his plate. And he ended up losing. He was really aggressive. And I thought, why didn't he just keep it simple? Like, would that be something that would be a good strategy? Is, like, keep, keep to what you know and try to keep it simple. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the guys that try to do too much are the guys that get chopped or whatever. Well, that's usually a matter of ego. And, and to be honest, like simple, the ingredients are really fantastic that they provide. So, and, and this is my philosophy on cooking anyways, like use good ingredients, but keep it simple. Right. So it's easy. It is easy to do it. Essentially, you learn the judges as well when you're going through it. And when it comes down to it, it can look as pretty as you want, but if it tastes like shit, forget it. Like, and it's, it's just actually like eating out. It's like, yeah, you can, you know, make me something pretty, but like, if it doesn't have any oomph, like, I don't want it. Like, it's kind yeah. of boring. Yeah. yeah. No, I totally agree. Um, so, when did you start? So, how long ago was it that you guys started clucking cleaver? It's now, well, planning it five years ago, and our four year anniversary is on March the 6th. That's awesome. And it's you and your sister, Francine. So, yeah. what? Because I'm sure you've heard from other people from time to time that getting into business with your family is a really stupid idea. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> having heard that and you thought, well, I know what you mean, but in this case, it'll be different. So what made you guys decide to get into business together? Like what makes you guys good business partners? Well, um, the, the biggest benefit of working together is trust. and. I know Francine always has my back. Um, and often as much as we want to refuse it, we actually, you know, are on the same, not refuse it. It's not the right choice of words, but as much as we may fight it with each other, we're actually on the same page. And I mean, we finish each other's sentences. Like it's pretty crazy when we're in meetings. Um, but trust is a big one because there's money involved. Um, and it's not been an easy road. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, I have a very strong personality and so does she. And um, when you get into bed with your family and business, it's uh, emotional. Like, and I mean, work is emotional if you're passionate about what you're doing. Um, but this is another level of emotional. Like we grew up together. We have our vices. We have our resentments. Like you, that doesn't go away. Um, but actually the benefit of it most importantly is that we become stronger. Like, and because we're willing to work through it, you can't just like remove your family and toss them away. And I don't, I, we don't yeah, actually, you can. yeah, you can, but <laughs> we weren't brought up that way. So like family is like number one. And it's like, you work through your shit and you talk about it and that's what we do. And 
there's, trust me, there is times when we're on the phone. I'm like, I'm getting off the phone now. And she's like, what? I'm like, I'm done with this conversation. Like we need to take a pause. Like, and that's, that's the way you get through it. It's like, look, you got to look at yourself. I've done a lot of looking at myself working with her and it's not, I'm not like judging her or anything or saying anything bad. It's just, you know, if you're not willing to like understand yourself as a person um, and be self-reflective, then you're no good to anybody else. Like, honestly, like, and I've learned that huge, I've learned that lesson in the last two years more than ever in my life. Yeah, no. And one thing that you said there that really resonates is, you know, knowing that she always has your back and that you always have her back. I think that if that's the basis of the relationship, then you can get through a lot of struggles. It's, it's when you, don't think or you know for a fact that you don't have each other's back that, you know, basically there's no foundation to really go with. So, yeah, trust is the foundation of many relationships, intimate, like work, whatever it is, professional. Um, and to be honest, like also writing a business plan has been the best idea ever. Um, and I'm sure a lot of restaurants are struggling right now. And um, but our number one core value, like when you write a proper business plan, that mission statement, your core values, like that stuff resonates towards your whole entire plan. Like, and our number one core value is relationships. We're very honest. We're very authentic. Um, you know, we don't pussyfoot around things with people. We're like, look, if it works, it works. We mesh, we mesh. We don't, we don't, we just don't do business together. Yeah, and, totally. and, that, and we're the same with each other. Like relationships is the number one core value in our business plan. And it's, it's translated down to like our landlord, our suppliers, our loyalty to people, our working relationships. And to be honest, it's been super beneficial to getting things done. And actually like in now in this temperature of the econ- economy, um, it's like the people that we've chosen to work with or that choose to work with us, um, we've been helping each other. And that's like such a huge benefit um, to any business, like I can call it a fate and it's not just cause I'm on TV or top chef. Francine can call it a favor at any time. And she has no fear of asking mind you too. And nor do I, but <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it is, it boils down to relationships. And I, you know, for me, I've always, I've always said that when people say, well, you know, business is so much different, uh, because today, because of, you know, technology, they'll say all these things and, and they'll try to complicate things at the end of the day. Uh, business is about relationships and, and uh, so you can make it as complicated as you want. If you have shitty relationships, your business when tested will fail. Yeah. And to be honest, it's, I've learned so much from people outside of my field. Like my mentors are people in the oil and gas field, they're executives, they're bank people. Like I, I've always believed that you need to source information from who, um, people that have way more knowledge than you, I tend to like um, gravitate towards those types of people. Um, I like to keep them in my circle and they've been, and anyone you ask for help generally will say yes, unless they're super busy. Um, but you be patient. Like with Cluck and Cleaver, we've been so lucky to have really great mentors. Like the president of Edo Japan walked in one day and like we, we've asked him lots of questions. He's like amazing. He's a Calgarian. Um, he's built a huge business and he sold it. And now he just sits on a board, but you know, other guys, not just and other people, not just guys, but you know, we, I've talked to, you know, bank managers at RBC and like, we don't even bank with RBC, you know, it's like, you just have to go out there and ask. And I think they, and, and I have to say, Francine, I often say in meetings, we're really lucky because we we're two women, um, that, you know, are really trying hard and, there's a soft spot for that too, right? Like two independent women on their own money. Like it's not, it's not an easy road. Yeah. Um, it's stressful. Um, but you know, this is like the relationship thing again. It's like, yeah. it just comes back to that. It's a hundred percent. And it has to be your foundation. So you're, you're living in Vancouver these days. Is that right? Yeah. I'm, I'm in Vancouver to be closer to my mom. She's yeah. aging and it's not the best situation, but, um, you know, it's been a while and uh, Francine's amazing and she runs a tight ship and she's operations. So, and it honestly, I'm sure she's happy. I'm not around all the time because I'm a little bit of like crack the whip. Like I see one thing and I just go for it. So she's been doing, like Francine is a very well thought out um, partner. She's a research 
um, expert. She looks at all the angles. She And we do together. We collaborate very well from a distance. Um, and not to say, like, I miss her so much right now. Um, and I wish I could be there to support Cluck and Cleaver, but I'm also not in the situation that I can um, because I'm working at a homeless shelter right now. I'm helping volunteer um, some of my experience in systems at, at a shelter here in Surrey um, during COVID. And so I'm not, I'm actually at risk to be around people really. I mean, I would hate to be that person. So right now I'm kind of um, doing my own thing here. I'm not really working. Um, like I'm working, but on my own. Yeah. Because it wasn't long ago that you sold your, it was it called Nicole Gourmet? Yeah. Company? Yeah. That was my first business. I started it in 2006 of May 1st. I can, I'll never forget the day. Um, it was a shit show when I first started. I didn't know what I was doing. I basically put, took money out of my line of credit on my house and started it and it grew into this big company 13 years later. And I've been trying to sell it for quite a while actually. Um, and I'm so lucky with the timing that I sold it actually in 2018 of November, but I stayed on with them consulting for almost a year to get them going. Cause I never thought I could sell it. Like I was like, this isn't going to happen. Right. I was ready to walk away from it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Fortunately, I have an amazing accountant that helped me find somebody to buy it um, and, uh, you know, sold it and consulted from afar for that year and went in for a few gigs here and there and they're doing great. Good. Um, yeah, just new things. It's awesome. No, that's really cool. So yeah. in Vancouver, what's the, I mean, obviously we're in the middle of uh, isolation, What's the general vibe in, in Vancouver? Like, it, are people fairly positive there or are they starting to get a little cranky or what's happening? I think it depends who you talk to. <laughs> um, the weather's been fantastic, so that's helping. Because if it was pouring rain, everyone would be miserable. There is, like, Vancouver is a different vibe, but, like, I love Vancouver. It's not, like, Calgary's very, still got that small town feel. Um, it's... The, if you're talking in regards to like the food and beverage industry, yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, I, I don't want to be, you know, doom and gloom, but there's a reality to it. And um, it's already very hard to operate a food and beverage like outlet here. Um, the margin, the rent is just ridiculous. I've been looking. Um, I'm always looking. Um, and I, I would say if I could predict anything, like maybe 30 or 40% of them will not open again. Yeah. I hate to be that person, but there's a reality. It's very hard because the flexibility in landlords is not as like loving. Um, and that's another relationship thing. Um, but it's also property taxes are really high here. Um, and, you know, there is still food available and there's takeout and there's a great chef community here. Um, they just need to, I think everyone needs to start talking about what the new normal will be. That's what I keep yeah. saying. What's the new normal? Not that everything was normal, but what is the new normal? Because you can't just reopen. It's not going to be the same thing anymore. Totally. It's going to so, be different. When you say the, like, the new normal, one of the things, and this is even way before isolation was happening and everything, but I would talk to restaurant owners and they would talk about the changing of, of, the, of concepts in terms of, you know, not not as many like sit down places where you have servers and more of um you know you you go up and order or you go up and get a beverage or whatever. Um, do you think it's going to be coming out of this? Do you think it's going to be a little bit more self service and stuff like that? Or like, what do you think the new model would be moving forward? Well, this is an interesting time for restaurateurs because this is an opportunity for them not to be grinding out sixteen hours a day and to take this opportunity and time opportunity of time and really like formulate a solid plan now the thing the thing is and i can't say but from my experience i bet you 60 to 75 percent of those or 60 yeah 60 percent of like independent restaurant owners not big corporates like yeah. the big guys um don't even have a business plan right and so that is essentially what this downtime could be an opportunity to do it's hard to predict like 
um, what the new normal will be, what, who will come into restaurants now. And even if you do open up the doors, it's going to be limited seating. So that means like per square foot, you're not going to be making as much money, but you're still going to be paying the same rent. Right. But then you don't know because maybe rent will go down because of desperation. Now people are not as greedy because they're like, I just need my rent. Like I just, you know, before it was like, I'm going to gouge you because I can, because the market calls for that. But now yeah. the market will change economically for real estate and all that stuff. Like it's just going to change. Right. Like, so I think the new normal will be, I think, I think takeout is going to be huge. I mean, we're in a really com- good position at clock. Cause that's essentially what we're doing. Well, I was thinking about that when I was, I was talking to Francine the other day and I was thinking about, you know, cause really your room I mean, even to sit and eat in there, it'd be kind of weird to do that. So it was already designed for isolation of mind. Yeah, we don't want people <laughs> hanging out in there. Not to be rude, but like it's there's no conducive space to do so. And to be honest, we based on the fact that we don't sell alcohol, um, we couldn't afford to like have pay for the square footage for a few chairs. Like in in hindsight, like if we had some sort of cafeteria ghetto, like, like, um, booth set up where there's eight seats. That would have been awesome. But with the rates of um, rent and once we see this is a business plan, we put the numbers in and it didn't make sense. Like that means we would be having to like, um, outlay those costs onto our menu prices. And like, and that's the thing It's like when you write a plan and you see the numbers, the numbers speak, like you can't lie with numbers. You have to be realistic when you write a financial plan. You have to be like, this is a low, median, and high. This is the potential. This is like the lowest we'll ever be, hopefully. And it's like a very, very intricate like relate like relationship with how you're it's basically your Bible. So like if you don't adhere to it, then you don't have a plan. You can't work towards those benchmarks or those performance or like, you know, and that's where where this has saved us. Like not in a million years being a fine dining chef or chef or whatever you want to call me, would I think I open a fried chicken joint, but right. when we wrote it on paper, it made sense. And that's, we love fried chicken so much. We were like joking about it. And then it became a thing. Cause we're like, well, maybe we should write it down. And then it be, that was 10 years later. Like we were already thinking about this 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and then we finally did it and we're like, this is awesome. We should just do it. But it's cool because the way I'm envisioning what you're saying, though, too, is you have your vision, you have your passion and this idea of what you want to do. But then you layer that onto the numbers and then you see, okay, how can we make this work with the numbers? Because if you just think I'm just going to take my vision and 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 realize that vision without any thought of the numbers that are required, you know, you're, you're really setting yourself up for for potential failure nice potential failure <laughs> like almost guaranteed failure is that what you're well, saying that's the restaurant business it's the highest risk business that industry in canada like it's yeah. like um and to be honest like without and this is just life like this is just life of being a person you got to set goals like that's i mean some people don't want to that's fine but like in a business especially you have to have goals because you can't fix what's going on along the way to reach the goal. Like you can't, you got to look at that. Like, and that's kind of how Francie and I function. We're like, we see something and we're like, even in our personal lives, we're like, I want to do that. I'm doing it. Like, and maybe that's just the way we've been brought up too. Cause we yeah. have a single mom. Like my, <laughs> my mom's single independent woman that brought up three children. Right. So it's different. And we are a reflection of our parents. Right. It's just like, let's not kid ourselves. Um, and so, yeah, like we, you do have to make a goal for yourself. And it's, I, I, I encourage all restaurateurs right now, make a goal, do your best, write it down. It doesn't hurt. You're not doing anything maybe anyways. You may not be operating, but rewrite it to reality, like for the market that's happening right now. And the market is not going to open up in two months and you're not going to sit down in a restaurant. Like that's just the reality of it, right? Yeah. So rewrite it and you can change it, but just rewrite, just rewrite it for now while you have the downtime and you have to be realistic about what people want to eat. Like yeah. you can't cook what you see in a cookbook. Like that's not realistic. Like you can, I mean, I mean a fancy cookbook, but yeah. you know, was that going to sell to a market share that's going to like come to your restaurant every week and order it two times a week? No, yeah. probably not. Like you're not going to, 
maybe, I mean, if you're like exceptional, but you also have to, like, where are you based? Where's your location? Like where there's so many factors in a business plan, right? It's interesting. I was talking to the guys at uh, modern stake here in town and they were in the process of pivoting into modern burger. Cause they kind of saw that, you know, people weren't necessarily eating out, you know, going to a steak place as often or going out for seafood with modern ocean. And just as they were, about to unveil this concept of modern burger lined up exactly with when the isolation happened. And so they had it all ready to go and they pivoted just instantly went right into modern burger. But, you know, it's almost like you're saying where they're taking what their vision is and what their passion is and they're combining it with what the realities of the market are. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. that needs to be a layer in there or else you're just kind of daydreaming sort of thing. So. Yeah. And financially, just because I know the ins and outs of food costs too, like um, Calgary's not this place to purchase food. Um, Vancouver is much cheaper. You can get a better deal because of supply and demand, right? Like it's population based. So, um, and you need to negotiate. You can't just sit by and go, Oh, that's your price. Uh, like you, you gotta be like, can you do better for me? Come on. Yeah. No, you can like, and that's the, <laughs> like, that's that relationship thing. It's like, come on, I can get it from the guy down the street for this. You can do better. Cause I want to continue ordering from you. And so that, that's a big thing. And it's like the menu, the balance of a menu is based on profit. So if you have a high profiting menu item this is just one hot tip for you restaurateurs if you have one great idea that's all it takes so like if you have one profiting high profiting margin item and it sells really well push the crap out of it yeah like push that out the door because that's all it takes by volume you will make money but if you keep pushing lobster and like these fancy gnocchi dishes like and there's nothing wrong with that but there has to be a balance like pizza is a money maker like that's just Pizza and pasta is a moneymaker, like hands down. Um, and no one wants to really like, I mean, maybe people start doing it at home, but it only takes one great idea. And it's funny because at Clug and Cleaver, the chicken doesn't make us money. Right. It's not the chicken. And it's a balance of like biscuits and gravy and like cookies and stuff. It's like. Well, I tell my kids that when I have, whenever I get Clug and Cleaver, that really gravy is if you think about it, and if you're a positive human being, is really just soup. So I could eat a bowl of gravy and but just put crackers in it, and it's soup. Is that right? So just maybe that, there's your idea. You've been giving ideas. I'm giving you an idea. Remarket your gravy as soup. Well, this is interesting that you say this. Like in our business right now, and I talked to a lot of restaurant people. I was just talking to someone in Tofino, and she's selling her soups out the door. Well, yeah, that's a great idea. Like, and right now, Francine and I were having meetings all morning about our hot sauce. So we're starting to like, we're going to be selling it, um, via spuds because we know someone at spuds that says, I love your hot sauce. Can we put it in a, in a box, like one of those small delivery community boxes, um, and sell it. And I'm like, yeah, but then it, and we always wanted to sell it, but now it's pushed us to go on a bigger level. Like where else can we sell this? Bridgeland Market, hot, wink, wink, community natural food, <laughs> wink, wink, co-op. Yeah. And so because all those rules have loosened up due to COVID, like you don't need to go and get it tested. You don't have to have a HACCP. Like you don't have to have a like um, certified facility apparently now, right? Currently it could change, but this is a market where we're going to start selling it at Cluck because like you can go and marinate a chicken breast in that and roast it. Like why not? It's yeah. so like the hot sauce is like such a fluke that never even came into the plan at all. Really? No, uh-huh. we were just like, we need something hot. And then we, we started the little clucker and then we went to Nashville and we're like, we need to do something hot. And then we explored Nashville ourselves and ate all the way to South Carolina or all the way to Savannah, <laughs> ate every hot chicken we saw. Um, and then I'm like, there are chickens not like we can do better than this. And then we came out with some other clucker. That's hilarious. That's awesome. Because, and like you said, this is a great opportunity for restaurants to reevaluate or look at those things. There's like, you know what? We need to focus on that. Random example, but I've always said that taco time, they should just deal with their hot, like their hot sauce is like, I can't imagine eating it outside of taco time, but it's like, that's the only thing I crave when I think of taco time is like whatever they serve with hot sauce poured on top of it. 
Yeah. And it's probably in everything. That's why. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's good. So, so just on a, on a personal level, how, how have like your health, you're saying that you're working at a, at a homeless shelter right now. Yeah. I, um, I know some guys at a homeless shelter that I was like chatting with and like, how are things going over there? Um, and it's in a dire um, area in um, the greater Vancouver. It's in, in Wally, Surrey, which is, if you are from Vancouver would know, it's pretty, pretty, uh, I don't, it's pretty, I don't Sketchy. I want to find the right word. I don't even want to use that word. It's just, it's different. Um, but um, they do need a lot of resource help there. And the downtown east side here is already hugely um, changed in the last month. I drive through it once in a while just to get a grasp of my reality. Um, I, are, you, I, uh, are you referring to east side? Sir, okay. Well, I'm talking about the downtown east side here. I've they have a lot. They have a really great community of guys mm-hmm. that are dealing with that. Um, Mark Brand and um, Save on Meats. They're they were doing a thousand meals a day for the homeless there, um, and now they're doing seventeen hundred packed meals a day. Wow. Um, so they're sorted. They have a really great community, but Wally is a a forgotten place, um, and I. You know, I was just like, can I bring a meal there? So I brought them a meal for a hundred. Um, I cooked it at home. It was like a baked macaroni. And then I was like, I saw it and I was like, oh. And then I went, I wonder how I could help. And I said, are you willing to take volunteers right now? And I spent a few days there just hanging out because I believe in the observation. And they actually needed more help in the systems, in the food um, area than they did actually needed cooks. Like they, you know, um, they need someone to help organize it. So it's easier. So I've been working with them there and offsite to build, you know, systems that will work for them for anyone to understand. And that's kind of like, you know, I've been, I've been there a lot lately. Um, but, um, I'm really happy to do it. Um, and I don't feel, yeah, I just, I'm glad I have something to do and I'm glad it's that. Like, yeah. and Francine understands that too, because there's stuff in our business I've been like ignoring because I've been focused on that. <laughs> so I'm grateful but, for understanding. But like you said, her being your sister, she's happy with you. Maybe not always having to be there or whatever, you know, she gets to kind of run the place. She's good at it, you know, and she's got it covered. And I mean, she needs to give herself more credit sometimes, but you know, she's, built a really great uh, model with me or well, she's built a really great system. And I mean, I've been part of it, but I mean, she's there in day in day out with the staff. Like that's not my, you know, that's, that's, she's an expert at that. Oh, you guys have a wicked staff too. It's uh, it's yeah. always fun to see them. We're supposed to be doing our festival this upcoming weekend, which we oh. obviously can't, but uh, it's always fun to be able to hang out with your team. Um, so what what have you been doing to just kind of stay, I guess, mentally active, mentally healthy through this? That's a really interesting question because I was talking, I talk to my friends all the time about how I'm doing. Um, I left Calgary actually and moved to Vancouver two years ago, over two years ago, two and a half almost. Um, and I really needed the break. Like I've been at it 25 years cooking in this industry and TV and all that stuff like Iron Chef, like, oh. Not to gawk at it, but I actually have been in isolation <laughs> on my own for almost a year and a half, two years. Um, I've gone through some traumatic shit. Um, I've worked on that. And like, you know, I've spent a lot of time on self-care um, and looking at myself. And I've been on that path anywho. So when COVID hit, I was more prepared, actually. Um, and it takes a lot of work. Um like just to be even vulnerable is like a huge thing. Um, I've had a very complicated life. Um, and I had to look at that stuff and until you stop and look at that, you can't fix it. And it takes a long time, a lot more than you think because everyone deals with pain differently. And I'm so grateful that I have, um, I'm a way different person than I was. Um, the move was really crucial for me to do that and to sell my company and like focus and, that's another bonus to being my sister uh, in my partnership at work because she understands that about me. So right. that's huge. and that's a huge support. 
Um, but as far as staying happy, I have, I've, you know, I'm a pretty happy person generally, actually. Um, I love to sing. So I've been singing. I love to jazz sing. I actually, I've taken on a lot more gardening this year. Um, I took, took on yoga in the last two years, which has made me, God, way more present. I've done a lot of reading, which I haven't done, picked up a book in like 14 years and finished a book. So I've done a lot of positive reading, a lot of like self reading, like a lot of inspirational stuff. Um, and yeah, now that COVID's happened, now I'm like a little bit bored. Um, because I read every, I'm not read everything, but you're like, okay, I'm ready to, uh, go out into the world again. And then the world's like, nope, you got another few months. Yeah. Or half a year or nine months a year. I don't know. Like, and that's the thing about COVID. It's just a big reset in everyone's like mind thought, mindfulness, like the environment, um, reassessing your life, spending time with family, looking at your life and what's important. I think it's a huge, like, I love what Bill Gates stands for when this, as this has been happening, he's amazing. Um, it's a big reset to the earth, the climate, um, just humanity in general. I'm really happy. I, I mean, as bad as COVID is because it's so unknown. Um, at the same time, I think it has a lot of positive, like, um, outcomes from it as well because people reconnecting with their families and talking around a dinner table and you know um, working through conflict and I think it's like I kind of feel like it's a positive thing because like the most traumatic things in someone's life can teach you the most like the most traumatic things can teach you the most right yeah. well and when you're busy sometimes you're busy so that you you're not addressing those things right like it just it just keep going and then you won't have to think about that when you're no longer busy when the world says no 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 you need to take some time to yourself you're kind of forced into evaluating everything and prioritizing things and uh and if you do it hopefully it's a positive for a lot of people i agree i think it's making people more present um i think it's an opportunity to be more present that's and take the moment for the day and be grateful like i mean you're talking to someone who spent the last two years reading self-help books. So, I mean, I don't know, like, and I don't take all of that information and go, yeah, you know what? That's right. I do have my views on it, but I think for the most part, I've never taken that opportunity in my lifetime to do that. Like it's just been amazing. Do you have any books that you recommend? I, I I enjoy reading. I'm painfully slow at reading, but I enjoy reading. Do you have any like, uh, and specifically, I guess, self-help books? Cause I, I do like, you know, taking some, I like reading those and kind of absorbing it. And it, not every point, you know, relates to everybody, but it's nice to kind of, you know, get a general sense. Oh. Uh-oh. Oh, I, think, I thought I lost you. Oh, no, 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 you didn't. Okay, because I was like walking in my freezer to get that cider. I'm chilling. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so I'm anyone that's listening, Nicole is freezing a cider. And... uh I was supposed to remind you about that. Hopefully it's uh, it's not a frozen mass of ice. No, no, not at all. It's a 750 mil cider, so I'm good. Nice, nice. <laughs> it's like juice, this shit. It's like amazing. So, I, lo- I love it because then when you wake up, you're like, I don't know. I only had like two ciders. Oh, wait, they were 750 milliliters. Yeah, like 4.5%. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Um, but, uh, you know, I just thought about what you just, when I said self-help book, it came back to me. I'm like, why is it got to be self-help? Like it's, it's a self-reflection, you know, it's a self-reflection manual. <laughs> like, well, and actually it's funny. I, I, I read the book and I had to reread it. It's the, uh, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Yeah. And uh, I was reading a little thing on Instagram today from him and, and he was pointing out that the term self-help is actually um, a contradiction. Yeah. I agree. Actually, I read that book um, and I have some thoughts on that book, but um, yeah, it's not self-help. It's self-reflection. It's self-look. It's self, like so many other words that are more positive than help. Like, and not to say we don't need help, but it's just like, why you makes it desperate. Like you're like, I need help. I got to read this book. It's like, no, like, and and all the answers are not going to be within that book. 
Anyway, like, do you know what I mean? So that's what's nice is is read them and and take parts of it that work for you. Some parts won't be relevant, right? No. But uh, it's nice to kind of. And actually, I had to reread that book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, because I really remembered liking it. And then when I thought about it, I'm like, I remember nothing of it, so I had to reread it. But it's it's a really good one. Yeah, a self reflection book. Let's say. Yeah, self love book. You know, um, and that's what it is. It's self care. It's self love. Self care is a really great word. Um, you know, in that book, you know, that book translated for me. I read it after reading Eckhart Tolle, and Eckhart Tolle was like this amazing Vancouver psychologist. I think he's a psychologist, but he's a doc, not kind of a doctor, but um, he wrote in the nineties, this book called um, the power of now. It's quite in depth. It's quite spiritual. Um, it does, you know, reference to some religious stuff, but he actually wrote a book after that called a new world. That okay. is so good. Like I am one of those people. It's like read, highlight, reread. Yeah, like, I do too. That. Yeah, I do that too. Are, like highlighted. And um, that book actually reminded me of this after I read the subtle art of not giving a fuck and I'm not bashing Mark Manson, but like um, that book, it's so crass for me to say it this way, but the subtle art of giving a fuck is like self, it's like a self, uh, self reflection for dummies. No offense. No, no, no. I totally agree. It's a modified version of what actually Eckhart Tolle was saying in A New Earth, because it's about being present, living in your moment, being like, and it, that's the, that's the essential like premise of both those books is like, you really shouldn't like, yes, you should not give a crap what other people think because you have to live your own world. Like you have to live who you are because integrally, like, how are you going to feel okay with yourself if you're not living it the way you want? Right. You're just living to everyone else's standards. So it's like, you're never being your full you. So like, it's like, just do you. That statement's awesome. Like, yeah, yeah just do you. Well, because when you're trying to please other people, the thing is, is what you have to realize is that most people don't spend any time thinking about what you're doing and what you're, so you're, you're trying to appease an imaginary person because like they don't really spend a lot of time analyzing what you're doing so you you should just spend your time making yourself happy or at least you know yeah. having that as a goal right they're not in your head they don't know what you like what totally to unless you have discussion and that's like communication's huge right like that's another thing how we communicate is like really important i've learned that i've made a lot of screw-ups on communication with staff my team like i've been a you know, I've been aggressive. I wouldn't say aggressive, but a very assertive, very abrupt. I, and I've like probably led in past situations with very little empathy because I only saw it my way and I'm not that person anymore. Thank God. Um, but you know, I, in essence, like that book is like probably one of my faves. It's an easy read. I think it's, um, the new earth is like one of the better ones. And there's other ones that I, another one is a man's search for meaning. That was another one that I was like, that's epic. Yeah. No, that's, I think that's my favorite book. Yeah. It's just because, I mean, I, every time I think of something and I'm chickening out, I'm like, that guy went through a lot. Yeah. I can pretty sure I can go through this. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, yeah. what am I yeah. whinging about? Yeah. Like, why am I whinging about the bus driver that cut me off? Yeah. And it's one of my mentors who's really, really awesome. Um, she's a very powerful woman. And she said to me, Nicole, it's 90% of how you choose to react. Yeah. It, it, it is. It's like, why am I spending my energy like getting pissed off at you because you took the wrong turn? Like, yeah. Like, road rage to me is so hilarious. I just laugh at it because. Like the, in Vancouver, there's pedestrian rage right now, right? Like people walking down the street, like you, that wasn't six feet. It's like, okay, like, you know, and it's true. Like it's, it's hard because it's a consideration factor, right? You're like, you yeah. should cross the street. You saw me coming. Like, you know, yeah. But it's just, why get angry about it? Just do something about it. No. And I agree. What's cool though is about all, like with all those books is that you recommended. And I, I've read a couple of them, but not all of them, but they're all going to resonate with people differently. So it's actually really cool. Even if they have the same underlying message, it's kind of neat to read all of them because certain things will, will resonate with different people, if that makes sense. Because even if you're trying to say the same thing, 
just the fact that they're saying it differently is yeah. can be helpful, right? Yeah. I mean, we're on the topic of books. Another person that I love is Brene Brown. And um, because she comes from a research aspect of it, like she's not just coming from like this, you know, she actually researched vulnerability. So it's more, it's got more like, you know, um, validity and it's like what is actually going on in the world. So I love her too as well. Yeah. Okay. I'll, uh, I got my reading uh, cut out for me. I will, I, I kind of go in phases though. So I, cause I, I'm actually right now I am reading that, um, that toll guy's original book. What was that one called? Um, the power of now. Power of now. So that's the one that I'm kind of reading right now, but then I go into like, I go from that to like kind of stupid ones. Cause I like to balance lifestyle will balance, but I'm uh, after this, I'm, I'm going to read the Martin short biography. Oh yeah. I'm reading Bruce Springsteen's biography right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, those are fun. It's, it's hard for me to read like fictional books because yeah. it just, I find nonfiction so much more fascinating, you know, like yeah. just someone's actual life, you know? Yeah, no, totally. Sweet. So we are doing an isolation soundtrack. So you need to add a song to it. What song are you going to add to it? Um, I love R&B and soul. And um, there's a new song that came up that I've been like obsessively listening to over and over again by Sun Little called okay. Never Give Up. Never and, um, Give Up. Yep. Great track. Kind of reminds me of Bill Withers, like kind of um, Al Green era, but more current. Okay. I, so, I mean, I love music so much. If you follow me on Instagram, like I post music probably every day, like almost. Like, so I just, are they mispronouncing Never Give Up? Or no, are you literally spelled that way. N-E-V-E, Give Up. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll add it, but, you know, I'm – Kind of a stickler for grammar and punctuation. So uh, I'll add it, but um, with an asterisk beside it. Okay. Sure. Awesome. Um, and then just finally, well, I guess a couple more things. One is people that are struggling with, with their mental health right now, just because, you know, people are isolating by themselves. I know I have a sister that is, and I have a, my mom is. Um, people that might be, having a, a hard day or something like that. Do you have any advice for them on, on what they can do to maybe get through another day? Yeah. You know, I got up this morning pretty deflated actually. Like I was like, I'm bored um, and unmotivated. And then you see everyone on Instagram exercising. Like I haven't fucking done that. Um, and I do go for walks and hiking and stuff, but you know, I have a really great network of friends. Um, I'm lucky really close like people in a handful um and i call them and i actually don't just call them now i actually facetime them because seeing someone's face is a lot different also i do have a therapist um and i've built that relationship with her over a long period of time um don't kid yourself like therapists are not you know you just have to find the right one and that's very hard to do right now i understand because you can't go meet them face to face because that's usually what they want um, they desire first and maybe there's someone that's doing it um, utilizing technology and I even check in with my therapist when things are good I'm like hey what's up because you can't just I don't think you should check in just when things are bad because you like you got to recheck in with yourself um, so I mean I you know family is really important it depends on your relationship with your family but try not for me I don't read a lot of the news I yes. read what like BC health is saying, like the government, Canadian government, but I don't read a lot of like bull crap from the States. Like Trump's like a prime example of that, like inject yourself with whatever stuff. Like it's just ridiculous. It's almost a laugh. I try to watch things that are positive. Um, things that make you laugh. Laughter is the best medicine. Yeah. Um, and you know, um, I think exercise is very important. Like just get out for a walk. Like, I know they're saying stay inside, but like, try yoga at home then. Yeah. You know, or, you know, like, and it's, a, I, I'm a little bit adverse to like staying home, but it's people that are being irresponsible going out, like in groups of four or five or six, but by yourself, don't touch anything. Just go outside and go for a walk. Look at yeah. a tree. 
like that's what I've been doing in my neighborhood. I've been by myself and I get lonely. Um, but I go for a walk and I look at all the flowers that are blooming and I like, you know, and reading something positive, something uplifting, someone, and even someone else's tragedy will make you feel more grateful. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, a man search for meaning is a good example of that because it's uh-huh. like can, very sad, but through that, it gives you a perspective too, right. Of, um, of all the things that you should be grateful for just as a default. So you go, none of that happened to me. (laughs) Well, that's the thing about me working at the homeless shelter, right? I come home and like, I don't take on that energy um, easily. Like I'm pretty used to being in a really um, high stress environments, um, let's say, but I walk away from that looking at the good. And I mean, wait, I, you know, when I was going through a really hard time last year, I uh, got up every morning and wrote down on a post-it note what I'm grateful for and what I'm going to do for myself that day. So like I actually have a collection of them because I can take them down now. I'm feeling better, but you know, um, you have your health, like you have your vision, you can breathe, you can taste like, it's the simple things really. Like I know how to cook toast bread. I can eat bread. I have food. I have a roof over my head. Like, look at the trees outside, listen to a bird, like take the time. Like, and I think that's gratitude is like a huge thing to learn. And if you get caught up in like letting your emotions take over, take a deep breath. That's like deep breaths are like amazing. Like you wouldn't even think that's a thing, but if you take, I mean, maybe yoga taught me that, but like just a deep breath. Yeah. When you're feeling overwhelmed, take three deep breaths. Like scientifically it's proven to work that if you take three mindful deep breaths to the top of your lungs and excel, expel it like really slowly, it really works. Yeah. So on your post-it note today, what you're grateful for, was it that you got to do the podcast with me? Is that what? (laughs) Yes. Well, it was actually in all honesty, it was because I had something to look forward to. And I was very lucky that I had someone interested in speaking with me. Like, like, you know, when you say if someone's struggling, I kind of, in a way, want them. I would love to inspire others. I like to inspire others. But if you're really struggling that hard, give me a pop out on Instagram and I'll chat with you. Nice. Like, I'm, I'm not like opposed to talking about, you know, my experiences or like what kind of struggles I've been through in life. Like it's not like that's who makes me who I am. Right. Like it's builds character and yeah, I'm quirky. But you know, <laughs> everyone's work, you know, everyone has walked their own path and you got to remember that. Like everyone has own way of dealing. Everyone has their own way of absorbing. It's like, be kind. Like, you know, at Cluck and Cleaver, we actually still get yelled at right currently. We were having, cause every week we talk about customer um, feedback. I'm not going to call them complaints, but customer <laughs> feedback. Um, and people are still angry. Like, it's like, are you kidding Like right now you're going to complain that you had to wait five minutes. No offense, but like you're early, like, and like, it's just, it's shocking. And like, are people yelling at the grocery store lady? Like, it's like, do you understand? She's like working overtime probably. And like, she's at risk being out doing this right now. And she didn't sign up for that. She signed up to, she didn't sign up to be a frontline worker. She signed up to work at Walmart or to at a Sobeys. You know what I mean? She's risking her life, but it's not based on something that she really signed up for. So be grateful that she's, or he is continuing to do it um, because they'd probably rather not be there. Um, And then one last thing, and then I'll let you go uh, crush that, entire bottle of cider oh no (laughs) (laughs) what are you looking forward to when this is all said and done is there something that um yeah like if when the government says okay guys go back to the way life is or whatever that's going to look like what are you looking forward to doing well it's never going to go back to the way it is i'm just reality it's just going to be the new normal i keep calling it quote unquote um you know what to be honest for me i really would love to have friends around a dinner table right now. Cause like I'm one person and I cook, but it's like, I made a four pound roast chicken the other day and I was like, why I can't eat us all like, you know, but I am, that's the thing. So, um, that, and actually travel, 
like for me, travel, for me, travel has always been very important. People know that I travel a lot and I travel solo a lot because I like to meet people and I like to see other cultures and try other food and see how other people operate. Um, you know, that's a huge factor for me is travel. Like I can't, and I'm sure a lot of other people are saying that dating would be nice. I was dating and now I'm not right. So that sucks, but whatever. So it should be able to be okay. If like that person's in self-isolation and you're in self-isolation, I don't know the logistics of it, but I mean, that's the first thing that the government should free up is like dating apps and stuff like that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's a hard one because you don't know those other people and it's like, what are they doing? Like they could be, you know, what God knows what else, but like, and I'm at risk. Like I'm a walking like risk. That's true. I'm at That's a homeless shelter that is trying their best with physical distancing. And it's like, you can't like you, it's just, it's unfortunately the nature of what it is. So I've self, I've chosen to self isolate beyond going to the shelter. Like I don't get out of my car, like, and do other things. Like I stay home and um, I work on my garden and I don't have people over. I'm not re- like I'm on the beach when it's like a little quieter. Like I go out to Stanley park beach cause I live by Stanley park beach. And I just sit on a blanket when it's cloudy out because it's busy down there. Like, it's like, this is not cool. Like to me, I watch it and go, why is there a group of six people sitting over there? Yeah. Yeah. Like one, two, six feet apart. Okay. Get it. But like, that's, and I think Trudeau at some point will announce that in his really lovely, lovely, gentle, you know, announcements um, about reminding people of how they use gloves masks like and how they actually physically distance um securely and properly i think one thing he should do though and i think he's doing a reasonably good job i'm not a huge trudeau fan but um when he gives advice he should also you know he's telling people to stay away from their cottages and stuff and then the next picture on instagram was him and his family at their cottage yeah. I was like, yeah, are you not able to see the irony in that? Like for the same reason you want to go to your cottage and be with your family, everybody wants to go if they, if they have a cottage and be with their family. You know what I mean? That's probably safer to be at your cottage. than yeah. right? So no, but um, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time. This was an awesome one. I think we just broken the record for the longest isolation podcast. Oh, geez. Um, that was awesome though. It was such a great conversation. It was so cool to, uh, to be able to connect with you and just see what, what things are like and, and what you got, what you're up to. Um, yeah, I can't wait to get to Vancouver and just, um, experience the, uh, just this, you know, for me, it's different restaurants. It's, it's seeing a different vibe. So hopefully things rebound to, to an extent where, where there's a, there's a good scene there again someday soon. Yeah. You know, and it's really interesting. Like, um, it's been a really good, good year for me. And like, I, I hate to say that, but like, what, like I'm on TV again later this year with, I, I actually did beat Bobby Flay, which is like epic. Did you beat him? I can't say, but well, for, actually that is a show that we watch um, often. Yeah. Um, like okay. I'm stoked about that one. Like keep, keep not, me posted I, on what do, when is it air? Um, they told me somewhere around, around September. Um, but man, I can't believe that one. Like that. Uh, I hope you win. Yeah. You tune in. (laughs) I'm good. Awesome. Yeah. No kidding. Ain't good for you. (laughs) Okay. Well, next time you're in Calgary, let's, uh, let's go check out some restaurants. I, I love going into places when, you know, I just love watching people that are passionate about things. It's the same reason that I love going into breweries and chatting with brewers, just getting their, their passion. Um, and getting to hang out with a chef at any point and just, you know, they explain things and they point things out that um, I think most people take for granted, but they're like, no, no, you don't get it. They love it on a d- different level. So next time you're in Calgary, we'll go visit some of your favorite hotspots too. Likewise. And like, it's like, you got to eat with me. Like, it's so fun. <laughs> and, but that's what I love, right? It's just like people that are passionate. It's just like you take something that, um, yeah, someone who doesn't have a passion for food per se is in terms of being a chef and you get to see it from your perspective and it just changes the experience. Like, yeah, so. it's infectious. That's for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you. Um, yeah. 
go enjoy the rest of your day there in British Columbia. And uh, hopefully we'll see you soon in person. Thank you. That was so fun. Thank you. Thanks, Nicole. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for joining the podcast today. To learn more about how we are involved in the community, please visit letsmeetforabeer.com and albertabeerfestivals.com. Please remember to be kind and offer help wherever you can and never be afraid to ask for help. We're all in this together. Have a great day.